John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. It is final season. We're here. Uh, guys, it's so good to be able to bring you this podcast knowing that I've got no pressure. We've got the, right? I've got no pressure. I'm going to sit from the sidelines and watch the final series. I'm going to watch the Swans play. The Swans, yeah, go the right? Swans. Go the Swans. I'm going to watch um, South Sydney play the Sharks. That's, is that a knockout game this week, John? Yep, yep. Wow. Takes all. Who would have thought that South Sydney will be playing for their life first week of the finals? And Troy Malcolm, congratulations. Well, let me show you, because, I mean, interesting, and I know we've, we just kind of banter around this stuff. Mm. At the end of the day, this is about mindset. And I think, to be honest, Souths have not had their mind in the right place every game. And, and we're talking to people that are business athletes out there, yeah. and sometimes you're turning up to listing presentations, and you're the best agent, but you're not at the top of your game. And some person less experienced or less capable than you is about to turn up or just left half an hour ago and they were like absolutely on their game and they were so enthusiastic and they covered everything and they explained everything. And I think that, you know, sport and business, there's a lot of replication or there's a lot of examples. So, you know, I still have no doubt and I'm still hopeful South can, can, can kick some goals and, and, and win, win the season. But um, no doubt they are either one of the best teams or the best teams still on paper, but the game's not played on paper, Tom. The no. game is played on grass at 80 minutes every Saturday afternoon, and how you turn up for that game is what happens at the scoreboard. Okay, John, just before we go on to this week's topic, which I think is there's no person in Australia better to answer this topic than yourself, um, this is about PR, marketing, and creating a brand. I want to, you know, we talk about the sport metaphor, and you brought it up about a month ago. I think Shane Smollin said it. The best time to go to a listing presentation is when you've won six in a row. Because or you've just sold four properties. Or you've just sold four properties. You've got some momentum, right? So, so I want to I ask you this question. You said um, that when a team is not focused, and you take that when a real estate agent is not focused, what about the situation? Is it, is it always an issue of focus? Or is it sometimes when you've lost a few deals and you're, you lose a bit of your confidence and you carry yourself from a different position of when you're going in and you feel like you're going to get the business? Can I touch on that a little bit. The the issue of how much is it you want it versus this issue of, of confidence when things aren't going your way? I think the answer is it's combination and you and I just quickly chatted before we started today about Wayne Dyer who many people would have heard by now passed away recently and, yeah. and many of you who came to ARIC this year knew that he was due to speak at ARIC and unfortunately he had a turn that morning and, and a few months later he's now he's now left us. But I was listening to a podcast, which I think you also listened yeah. to a while ago, which was James Altucher. And if you haven't um, been listening to James Altucher, download it. Yeah. Just like us, he's free. Yeah. <laughs> but unlike us, he doesn't jibber-jabber about nothing. Yeah. Actually. No, he's very insightful. Yeah. And um, Wayne Dyer, in this particular one I was listening to this morning on the way to work, he talked about hunger, um, willingness to do what it takes, yeah. and fearlessness. Yeah. And I think in real estate, that that's three great... Um, areas to look at. How, does, uh, that, I think he called it desire, but you know, I yeah. use the word hunger. It doesn't matter what word you use, but it's that real desire to achieve a certain set of results and to create an amazing life for yourself yeah. and to help people and be passionate, all those sort of things. Two is willingness. So you have to be willing to do what it takes 
to get that outcome. So one thing is being hungry, yeah. but the other thing is you then got to you know you got to turn up for practice. You yeah. got to turn up for training, and you got to practice kicking and practice tackling and practice defending and offending, and you got to watch the videos of your competition and prepare for the game, all those sort of things. So that's the willingness bit to do what it takes, and then the third one is fearlessness. I think in, in real estate, those three things are a great benchmark if you are hungry, and you've yeah. got to be hungry in this day and age, because yeah. the, the next guy that's turning up's hungry, or the one that just left is hungry, then you've got to be willing to do what it takes. Now, confidence comes when you get all those three things aligned. So the, the hunger and the desire is what's happening inside your body and why, and we often, Tom, you and I, when we speak to, to audiences at your real estate gyms and so forth, we often refer to what's your why? I mean, yeah. why are you doing this? Why are you getting up every day? And if your why is not big enough, sometimes the challenges of day-to-day -day life will get you down. When the why is big enough, nothing gets you down. Um, and then the willingness. And the, all of those things turn into confidence. So you can have lost six listings and you can kind of go away, meditate, think about it, get your head straight, you know, practice, and then turn up to the seventh one as confident as ever. So I think it is a decision. Yeah. Uh, John, I think it was Dr. Wayne that in one of his books said success equals ambition plus action. So he was never one to actually say, just visualize and it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. He understood and under, uh, underpinned that you must have the hunger, yeah. but then you must add action to it. Yeah. Um, John, some extra he, he's the godfather of motivation, because I remember listening to Dr. Wayne um, Dyer, it's Dyer, isn't Dyer, it? Dyer, right. Dyer. Yep. John, I remember listening to him. So I did my HSC in 1985, and mm -hmm. I remember him having books back then your erroneous zones, um, you, you, when you see it, when, uh, you'll see you it. See it when you believe it. Uh, you'll, you'll see it when you believe it, yep. Yeah. Um, and in recent times, he, some of the books, The Shift, Excuses Be Gone, yeah. I can see clearly now. He's a great person for our uh, listeners to YouTube, to um, go to his podcast. He has got a podcast himself, yeah. um, which... Is still there. I was listening to it um, this morning, but the uh, the episode. I think every person listening to this podcast, um, if you if you like Million Dollar Agent, you're going to probably switch off after you listen to James Altucher <laughs> because the pod the, the podcast Nam Namaste is the uh, podcast that he's got with Do Dr. Wayne. The current issue. So it was one he did two years ago, but he's replayed it. Correct. I think it, it's really interesting. Another thing that uh, yeah. So I mean. Uh, that's a hard act to follow, but he uh, he had a profound impact on both our lives. In yeah. fact, I think Troy, you've yeah. been listening for years as well. So profound impact, and uh, what I loved about Wayne Dyer, and he was the first one. He was certainly the grandfather of spirituality in business. I think there are guys like Zig Ziglar um, that kind of prior to preceded him when it turned just talk about pure inspiration and business. But he came in in the kind of 70s and 80s, soon after Ziglar. And, and he was talking about um, the spirituality and karma and these sort of concepts that I'm a great believer. I know we all are great believers. So definitely um, get into some Wayne Dyer. If, if, if his passing is catalyst to get you into it, so be it. But um, really good. The other thing is, you know, someone's just reminding me. I, I was, you know how every few years you've got to upgrade your car. You know, we're in a mobile industry. We're all driving around. We're doing a lot of kilometres. And then, you know, inevitably, you know, three days after your warranty moves, your, your engine box breaks down or your gearbox yeah. or something. So I'd come up, my warranty had expired, and I thought, well, I better kind of, you know, change cars. 
So I bought a new car, and, and it's, you know, it's very nice. It's the latest version and all the new technology. And it was funny the other day. I got to a point. It's the first time I'd, I'd kind of gone low on the petrol tank in the new car. And it, w it doesn't have like a, a, a gauge now. It's got a percentage. So it starts yeah. at 100, 99, 98. And it got down to um, just under 5%, I think it was. So uh, at 5%. And then it flashed up and it said, you're now running low on fuel. Would you like me to direct you to the closest petrol station? Like this was on the... Um, Wow. On, the, on the words. And I, I hit yes, and then it guided me. Then it says, you know, your route guidance will start now, and it took me to the closest petrol station. So I thought that was kind of interesting just to see where technology, and I know that's fairly based because technology's gone beyond that, but it was kind of one of those things I wasn't expecting. It made me just realise that technology, and we should do some sessions on, on Million Dollar Agent around technology, but technology is going to be such a critical component of the future yeah. And so I'm delighted that we're speaking to the smart brigade that's actually technologically savvy enough to find podcasts and replay them and listen to them and you know on a on a iPhone or whatever device you're listening to it on. But technology is going to be a, cr a critical differentiator going forward. So please get up to speed. You know, download the Uber app if you've never caught an Uber car. Next time, instead of taking a taxi to the airport, hit Uber. You know. It's kind of get used to these things because Airbnb, if you're going to travel, maybe rather than staying in a hotel, think about Airbnb. Not, not just because I think they're all good services, but you know, you've got to, it's like one of those muscles, it gets rusty or weak if you don't yeah. exercise it. So I'm, whenever I hear about an app, even if I don't think I'll use it, I'll download it because I want to have a look at it, I want to see how it works, all those sort of things. John, so. this is the, um, the week that uh, Apple launched their new products again. It's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, we're getting, right? uh, yeah, we're getting uh, an upgrade to the Apple iPhone. Right. Uh, there's talk of a 13-inch iPad screen, so uh, largest iPad ever. I'm just curious to both you guys. Are you, um, you're both Apple users, I mm. see. Are you upgraders at the first, the first time they bring a new product, you upgrade straight away? I think, look, I'm a bit on the fence because I don't. I hate wastage. So if I bought a phone a year ago, I'm yep. not going to upgrade just for the sake of it or a car or whatever because it kind of feels like I haven't actually got enough usage. Having said that, I, I realise how important technology is. So if, if I read up about the reviews and it has some material benefits to the one, I, I'm happy to upgrade because I know I'll get the value. Yeah. And then I'll give my phone to someone in the office or a friend or something. So... I'm not fearful of upgrading immediately, but I, I need to be I need to be able to justify that. What about you, Troy? Um, I'm normally on the cycle for every... I miss the S version right. of Apple. I'm always on the second. What is that? I'm so, like, going from a Apple 4 to... Yeah. You know how they have the interim, the upgrade, which is the 4S? No, I didn't know. go to the 5 and 5 S and well, 6. Well, I notice you both... So both of you have uh, 6 pluses, the bigger yeah. phones of the two. Do you still use a Commodore 64 computer? <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay. Oh, here we go. Right, late, here late, we go. Guys and girls. I'm sure you said to me a year ago you were going to upgrade guys, from that. Guys, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be clear. They're trying to intimidate me again. They're trying to, to bring me. I've got, I've, got an iPhone, I've got an iPhone 5. I'm not carrying the, uh, those Uniden uh, battery packs that you used to carry on your shoulder. Let's, let's be clear. But I actually, I've divided the real estate industry into iPhones and Samsung. I think it's... Uh, split about 60-40. 60 well, BlackBerry people would probably argue with that, wouldn't they, Troy? Is BlackBerry uh, or is that sort of a dinosaur oh, nowadays? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I know Graham Mirabito from RP Data is obsessed with his BlackBerry. 
Well, he's one of the more technologically savvy people I know, so it's worthwhile looking into, maybe. Yeah, if there's Apple diehard fans, there's definitely much. Uh, there's so much more. Uh, Android, BlackBerry, they're like the. It's most in- interesting though because diehard. And whilst we occasionally divert on the show, or almost <laughs> in perpetuity, we we're, we're diverting. But uh, the interesting thing is, I like the story behind Apple. I mean, I loved Steve Jobs when he sort of started to. You know, come to fame, and I read all about him, and I've I've loved his innovation. I've loved their focus, and I've loved their products. I love the aesthetic and design. So one of the reasons I almost feel loyal to that brand because mm. I love what they're about, and I think, as an agent in a community, either as an individual or an office, you have to have a good story, not a not an artificial story, but a good story about who you are, what you do, what you believe yeah. in. Yeah, you know, the story behind the brand is a lot of the reasons people buy, and and I talk. In fact, I spoke with you recently, Tom, uh, interstate at an event, and I talk about the change in the industry, and one of the things is ethical brands. Yeah. People want a brand that cares about the community, cares about the environment, um, you know, that, that has some, some story that is relevant to them. So, Well, I've got to, John, I've got to tell you, I always ask, if I'm auctioning, I'm curious, and I always ask the vendor, why did you pick this agent? Mm-hmm out of curiosity. I'm always curious to the thinking, reverse engineering what their say? decisions. What's the, what's the most the most common the, answer? The, the, the most clearest answer I got was about three weeks ago when someone said, Tom, it was an irresistible story. Mm. He brought his personal story, he brought his company story, and he combined it together mm. into one story that was unstoppable for me to go with that person. Mm. And I thought the way that this vendor explained a personal story, a company story, and when you blend those together, that's what a vendor is hiring when they hire a real estate person. They're not buying a listing presentation. What they're buying is a company and a human in that process. And I think everyone needs to craft their story, but you don't craft it too much because if you're moving away from your who you really are, then it lacks authenticity. Well, Belford said at Eric last year or year before last, he said you have to sell you first, then you sell your company, then you sell your process or too. service, product or service, and, and that's very similar to what your yeah. that vendor had bought. Um, they don't just buy the company; they generally buy the agent first and foremost. But they like to know that there's a strong agency or a strong office or a strong team around them. And then they really got to understand the process, the product, the service. So, okay. So we're about out of time now, aren't we? Well, <laughs> listen. I I really feel we can we can nail this in five minutes because <laughs> I think we've got Australia's best lead thought leader on this topic, and that is John. I get asked a lot of times, "What's the secret at being a PR machine? What's the secret?" So, into PR, public relations. Public relations. How sure. do you how do you create a brand through the media? How do you create profile? How do you get known as the go-to person apart from the traditional method of just marketing the most amount of real estate? So, so because not everyone's going to understand what PR or public relations is, I think a, a simple definition is it's the relationships you have with media that, are, that has them feel inclined to write or interview you or write about you or promote your brand, but the, you know, it's not there technically promoting it, but... If someone interviews me, and if I happen to say something semi-intelligent, then that is promoting me and my brand, in a sense. Not that they ring you up to promote you. They're ringing you up because they're looking for an opinion or, or an angle or a point of view. 
and they're trying to find someone that they think in the community has some level of credibility and can articulate that. So I think public relations is that. Tom, I, I, look, I was fortunate when I started in real estate, I worked for a guy called the late jo John O'Brien, the late John O'Brien. And I remember, you know, and I've told this on stage many a time, but I'll tell it again, that one of the first times I looked at a property in Jersey Road within Wollara, 36 Jersey Road, Wollara, it was a big old, old Chinese laundry warehouse turned into a residence and be worth a fortune today, but back then it was probably an interesting quirky. And we went to it in the morning at nine o'clock and we had coffee with the owner and and whatever, and, and you know, we talked about what are we going to do, and we're going to auction it, and do this, and do that, and it was all good. We signed up the agency. We got in John's old car, and as soon as he got on, he had one of the first phone, um, mobile phones, you know, in-car yeah. phones, and he got on it, and he rings this number. He gets his little piece of paper, rings this number. Lady answers. It happened to be she worked for News Limited, Gwenda Edwards. She's no longer there. I think she's retired and moved up the north, but. He said, Gwenda, it's John O'Brien. He said, what are you doing? She said, oh, John, I've just got into uh, Holt Street. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of getting organised for the day. He said, don't do that. Let me take you for a coffee. I've got to show you the most amazing property listing and the energy. And he, he swept her up because she wasn't... She said, oh, OK, well, I've got, a, I've got some deadlines, but, you know, if it's only going to take half an hour. So we went, literally picked her up, took her back to... Took her through it. In the meantime, he rung back the vendor and he said, look, I'm bringing the press through it. Now, yeah, nowadays things are a bit different. You need a contract. But, you know, the reality was he recognised the value in a building relationships with media. Yeah. All media. You yeah. know, whether it's realestate.com.au, whether it's News Limited, Fairfax, yeah. local paper, Metropolitan, a a anyone who's in the media, it is in your best interest to build a relationship with them. Because at some point they're going to be writing a story on fixer-uppers. Yeah. And they need to fill up those column centimetres and ring people they know that are on their speed dial or on their Rolodex and, and write the story. So he really gave me, and, and I, then I'd you know, go and do my work and then on the Sunday, I'd see the Sunday Telegraph, full page article, Gwenda Edwards, and I'd say to someone, God, yeah, that'd be, how much would that be worth? And they'd say, oh, you know, in today's dollars, you know, 50,000 for a full page editorial or something. I'd be saying, God, only costs us 350 for a coffee. Uh, so I was exposed to the power of the media and the importance of building relationships at a very early stage. And that's never left me. So kind of that got into my blood, into that's my in DNA. That's in your DNA, is it, John? It's in my DNA because I saw how impactful it was. And I also saw, Tom, how easy it was. And I don't say that being disrespectful to any media, but it's like the media has to write stories. Every yeah. day or every week they've got a newspaper coming out and they've got a, a different angle each week and, and they have to write stories. So if you're available, accessible, yeah. um, built a relationship, they yeah. know how to contact you, you're going to be one of the people they ring. So I think you know, that stood us. Last year we, we achieved over 50 million in editorial. We had media monitors. Yeah. I forgot what they call now. Media monitors. I censure, I think. Yeah. Some, I censure. Anyway, they, they do our clippings to make sure if anyone talks about us, we kind of get They calculate fun. the value of... They calculate the value, and right. it was over $50 million, And that excluded stuff like um, Radio 2UE that I'm on and Shark Tank and the block I was on last year and that sort of stuff. They excluded that. Just print and online media was over $50 million. And that's not just about McGrath. That's about our properties, our vendors, our sales. Um, so... If you look at that, and if you added in those other bits and pieces that we're talking about, it's you know probably several million dollars more. So that came about because I just had an insight that this is important, that the media are a key partner of ours, and we have to build relationships. Whereas, funnily enough, I think a lot of agents, bizarrely, Tom, almost see the media in some instances as kind of enemy or competition. 
And I say to people, God, these are your most important business partners. You should be taking them to lunch and trying to understand them and get to know them and build relationships and find out how you can help them more. So I think that was really important. So practical takeaways. One is just be aware this is critical. Two is remove the mooring line. That is, oh, well, they wouldn't want to write about me or my properties. They have to fill column centimetres, as you know better than anyone, Tom. I think that's critical. B is really build genuine relationships. I mean, you know, you and I are best of friends, but the other media people, I, I really enjoy the relationships over the years that I've built with them. Yeah. And it's not superficial. It's not artificial. It's like, you know, interesting people. They write about property. We sell property because it's got to be kind of... I think, John, for someone that's... Uh, so I've had a relationship with you at News Corp and Federal Publishing Company, which was... Hannons, went with yeah. Courier Hannans and that. One of the observations that I notice of you from early days, and I think editorially media people like it, is that they feel that the conversation that you're going to have with them is going to be great for the readers. And what you do is you give content that you know will get eyeballs on an article, whereas I think that sometimes someone may feel like they're going to use it as an opportunity to promote themselves. And I think Mm -hmm. what editors and journos dislike is when your intention, when you're being interviewed, is to to self-serving. When you're there to say, oh, by the way... um, we got this incredible figure. Yeah. They don't want to hear yeah. that. What they want to hear is maybe what the three top figures have been in that suburb, right? Yeah. So it's about adding value That's to right. the journalist. And the other thing that you're exceptionally well at is that um, with media, you're very easy to get a hold of because you realise the timing Timing is critical when yeah, they deadlines. want information, deadlines. Especially with the internet now, it's 24-hour deadlines, really. Correct. So, so yeah, thanks for that. I think... Um, I think that's all, all important stuff, and I think for everyone out there, yeah, you definitely can't manipulate it to try and be self-serving. You really need to... The intent is win-win. You guys need some information, some insights, some perspectives. And the other thing is you, know, you need to have an opinion on stuff. So you need to be thinking, and I'm always talking to people. I'm saying, so, Troy, what are you noticing is happening on the North Shore? And I talked to Shane Small, and I said, yeah, any trends you're noticing at the moment? So... You've got to be constantly on the lookout for information. So that needs to be, because you have to be interesting. When they ring you, if they say, oh, what do you think's happening in the market? And you kind of say, oh, look, I'm not sure. It kind of feels about the same as it always felt. They're probably not going to ring you again. Yeah. But if you can say, well, look, it's really interesting. You know, what I have noticed are these three things and they're kind of emerging trends. And, and they'll often pick up on that. So, yeah. accept, look, accessibility is important. Now, we have, just to put in perspective, and to be fair to everyone, we have now two full-time PR people. Yeah. Uh, Terry Sassine, who's been with us 20 years, and Terry, uh, female, Terry focuses on um, brand PR. Yeah. And we have Emma Harris that works on property PR. So Emma's job is just 24-7 to get the best of our properties and the most interesting of our properties and our sales into the inboxes of the right media. So she also knows that some people that are looking for luxury homes don't want fixer-upper and vice versa. So I think that's really important. John, quick question. At what point did you hire someone to do this for you? Uh, six years after I started the business, yeah. which is Terry. She'd been with me nearly 20 years. Um, so that's interesting. But before that, to be also fair to us, is I kind of did it all the time. So I was the one that was on the phone and ringing up and chasing people and submitting stuff. Um, so it's no excuse. Well, I guess where I'm getting to is if you're a 
single person operation and you can't afford at this point a PR or even to hire an external company, that doesn't matter. Get on the phone, build a relationship, spend the time with these people and when you've got interesting properties, as soon as I list a property, Tom, I used to be thinking, okay, great, interesting property, who would really benefit or like to write about this? Who writes about this sort of stuff? You know, in the old days, you know, obviously, John, well, not in the old days, Jonathan Chancellor today is doing the same, but yeah, Jonathan was title deeds in the old days and he, he always wanted celebrity vendors and buyers and fascinating properties and um, you know, now Jonathan's now with News Limited and, and sort of doing the same, same business as, uh, as he was back then. Um, then you had other people that were kind of looking for, there was, uh, you know, fixer-upper. You know, little, they, they, their, their audience was sort of more the middle-class, working-class, and they wanted little, little stories on little homes that were available and fixer-uppers. So it's horses for courses. So okay. look, hopefully that helps. The bottom yeah. line is PR is invaluable. It's accessible. It's available. You need to develop a skill around um, speaking with the media. You need to have a generous intent. It can't be about you, you, you. It needs to be about how can we work together. So hopefully that helps people and we'll see lots more editorial. Beautiful. Guys, girls, make sure you put in your mobile phone as you hang up this podcast, find the editors in your marketplace, put them into your mobile phone and develop a relationship uh, with them. Guys, good to see you again. We'll see you next week. Next week. See you guys. Okay. Bye. Bye.